The economy right now is bewildering, impenetrable, inconceivable. Not when you have the indicator podcast in your ears. In under 10 minutes every day, we simplify the complicated news like... How does inflation drop? What the heck is a SPAC? Why are trendy little high-fiber sodas suddenly dominating store shelves? And more. Listen to The Indicator from Planet Money and NPR. Welcome to The Limits. I'm Jay Williams. And this week, well, actually every waking second of my life, really, I'm thinking about my family. I have a beautiful wife and three kids, including our newborn daughter, Penelope Rain. They're the joys of my life, frankly. But it's tough, you know, balancing multiple careers while raising a family at the same time. But I do have to say this. The expectations that fall on me are nowhere near the expectations that fall on my wife, who is a working mother. I love you, Nikki, and I'm appreciative of everything you do for my family on a day-to-day basis. I know we're not alone in that struggle, though. Other people are going through it as well. So today, I wanted to break down that parenthood struggle with the help of three of my friends that I've had on the show this year. They're all massively successful, not only in their professional lives, but also in their personal ones. And by the way, this is bonus content from the conversations you've already heard from them. To start off, we've got my man Bobby Hundreds, co-founder of one of the biggest streetwear brands today, The Hundreds. Bobby, tell me about your real community. I mean, both communities are your real community, but I talk about your family support system. You're a husband and a father now. Um, Tell me about your relationships with your kids and with your significant other? I don't think I would be anywhere near to where I'm at in my life without their support. Um, when people ask me how I do it, and when they say that, they're usually talking about, I'm just doing so much, right? Uh, we're all very busy, but you know, I just do a better job of publicizing how busy I am. <laughs> And so, and so marketing 101 marketing 101 and so when people ask man how do you do it all and how do you stay on top of it and that worked for you and how did you how 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 and i'm like because i have a good support system that's it i wouldn't be able to do this you know like do you know how much my wife sacrifices on my behalf how much my kids yeah. sacrifice my kids are like the most forgiving people when I'm like, oh, I missed your thing, dude. I'm sorry. Or, I'm running late. I'm coming. And it's like, okay, like we get it. We know how important work is to you. And it really matters who you surround yourselves with, the people that you tie yourselves in relationships with. It really does matter. You want to be with people who support you, who believe in you, who want you to win and are going to be forgiving and are going to be encouraging. See, one of the things I struggle with, Bobby, sometimes is how to draw boundaries because I don't look at what I do, even this media platform we have here with you on NPR. This is not work for me. This is my passion. I have three pages of notes I just have from you Ah. because I want to make those things applicable in my life so I can continue to reach my goals. But I become so passionate that sometimes I need to remember, Mm. hey, my real passion needs to be my family, Mm. right? And so have you had any moments like that in your life? And then if you have, how have you gone about that? Yeah, I need to be reminded of it constantly. And you know what was actually really awakening for me was um, the pandemic, right? Because Mm. I have spent so many years collecting people, right? 
you gamify your Instagram score, how many followers you have, how big your audience is, how many customers you have, and traveling the world and you know, speaking on stages and trying to just get more and more fans, right? Mm-hmm. It's like more. I, it's I'm insatiable. I want more and more. And the pandemic turned everything off. All my flights stopped. All my travel ended. I was about to be gone for three to four months on a book tour in the summer of 2020. I was supposed to go to Indonesia, to Russia, to Brazil. And I was going to be gone a lot. And so I'm stuck at home. You know, I've traveled for most of my career. You know, I'm usually gone two or three times a month. And I'm just sitting down and having dinner with the family, which we never used to do. And now that I'm home more, like, hey, we're eating dinner with the fam. And I'm just talking to my children in front of me, my wife, and just having a great time and getting to know them. And I'm like, man, I have spent so many years collecting all these people. And meanwhile, there are oceans oceans of humans just sitting in front of me, right? Just unexplored, right? I could spend probably every day for the rest of my life talking to my nine-year-old son, and I don't think I'd ever get bored. I would learn more. Like, this man is a Grand Canyon, and he's only nine, right? (laughs) But, like, that was so cool to me because I was like, wow, people are just these voluminous stories and their books, each and every one of them. You don't need a hundred thousand followers or a million followers. You don't need billions of customers. You don't need that. You really have everything you need in the people in front of you now. You just need to ask and you need to listen. Wow. I really appreciate you giving us your time, Bobby. Oceans of people in front of you. That's still one of the most epic lines I've ever heard on any pod possible. And it's definitely changed the way I think about my own kids. Next up, the one and only Gabrielle Union. Gab taught me so much about balance in so many aspects of life when we spoke. But what stuck with me is how she described the resilience of being a working mom, being her own self while giving so much of herself to her family. You have to release the guilt of not being superwoman. You have to embrace that we are human beings and we deserve help. We deserve breaks. We deserve grace. It is okay if your kid's hair isn't combed or their outfit doesn't match or their you know underwear is on backwards or they left the house with two left shoes. It's okay. It's okay to not have it. And once you kind of are firm in that, you become a lot more comfortable creating more clear boundaries. No, I can't bring gluten-free, nut-free, uh, you know, dairy-free freaking <laughs> treats because I'm, I'm busy. I'm sorry. You're about to get some store-bought whatever the hell is in these ingredients is what these kids are about to eat. I am sorry. <laughs> no, I can't, you know, do carpool every day or no, I can't, you know, I need help. You know, or maybe my kid's math is beyond my level of comprehension. Don't feel bad about it. You know what I mean? It's okay if you need to hire a tutor or or make sure that your kids stay later in school to get help. It doesn't, it is no reflection on your heart and your intentions and your parenting. We all need help. And it are, none of our journeys of, of motherhood need to match. 
You do what you need to do for your family's survival, however that looks. And it's okay. And don't let any of these other busybody people tell you otherwise. Mm, mm, mm. I thought you were going to say something different than busybody, but I'm glad you said well, busybody. you know, I was trying yeah. to bring it back. I, yeah. <laughs> Gav, thank you so much. I appreciate you. And uh, I wish you nothing but love and continued success. And I hope we bump into each other again. And please tell please tell Dwayne I appreciate him too and I said hello. I will, I will. And I have to say, I am so glad to hear that you, you know, are married and you have your family and you found peace. That makes me really, really, really happy. Okay, I hope you were taking notes because those are some gems on how to balance work and family life. But what about when those worlds mix? When you need your family to help you take that next step personally and professionally, when they're the only ones you can count on. After the break, I talk with Larry Miller, head of Jordan Brand, about how his daughter cracked open his next phase of life. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR. The NPR app cuts through the noise, bringing you local, national, and global coverage. No paywalls, no profits, no nonsense. Download it in your app store today. Taylor Swift has dropped a new album. She is the biggest pop star in the world, and everything she does makes news. I gasped. I was like, oh my God, I've been there, and you can identify with it. For a breakdown of Taylor Swift and her new album, The Tortured Poets Department, listen to the Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast from NPR. Instead of scrolling mindlessly, engage mindfully with the NPR app. With a mix of on-demand news, stories from this station, and your favorite podcast, you can relax without shutting off your brain. Download the NPR app today. Okay, close your eyes for a second. Now imagine you're on your dream vacation. No work calls to answer, no text messages to respond to, just your suitcase and an opportunity. The opportunity to just take yourself out of your routine and travel deeper. How to actually take that dream trip. That's on the Life Kit Podcast from NPR. Let me tell you guys something. Larry Miller has achieved a lot. He's the right-hand man to the greatest basketball player in the world, LeBron James. Okay, fine, debate me. Michael Jordan, fine, potato, potato. But his success comes with the shadow of a dark past. When he was 16 years old, Larry Miller shot and killed Edward White. He was locked up for 14 years. And for a lot of people, that's the end of the story. But Larry worked hard in the sports industry. And years later, he wrote a book about that fateful night with the help of his daughter. The book that you wrote, Jump, My Secret Journey from the Streets to the Boardroom, uh, you talk a lot about, it was a phenomenal book, by the way, too, Larry. I appreciate your vulnerability, and I can't imagine living with this for as long as you've lived with it. Tell me about the relationship that you have with your daughter, because she was imperative in helping you write this, and how that experience maybe has changed the dynamic of your relationship. It was rewarding 
uh, challenging. You know, she started working on me uh, 12, 13 years ago like that. You have a story that um, can inspire some people. You need to share that story. Uh, and she kind of worked on me until I agreed to do it. With her, I felt kind of comfortable sharing these things with her because I figured, hey, you know, she's she's going to love me either way, right? But hmm. um, there were a number of times where we would get to a point where she would generally was her, but one of us would be like, you know what? I need a break. Um, cause this is like something I need to digest or something I need to think about here. And, um, um, I, you know, found out some things that she had been holding in and that had been bothering her. And I think, um, you know, she found out a lot about me that she had no clue about. Um, and so it was freeing for me because, uh, being able to get this out because, you know, for, 40 plus years, I kind of hid this from the world and hiding it caused me to have uh, nightmares and migraines. And uh, it was all because I was just holding a sin and, and afraid and, and nervous and anxious about the fact that it could potentially come out. And so being able to get it out with her, it really helped our relationship because she she knows now, um, you know, who I am and, uh, you know, what I've done and the things that I've that I've gone through but been able to overcome. So was the book the first time that your daughter found out about what happened on that night in October of 1965? I mean, she knew I had gone to jail. I don't think she didn't know the details. She didn't know what it was for. So that was when she first heard the details and and I'm sure, you know, for her it was pretty shocking because, you know, she has a son and for me um, you know, I'm sure that resonated with her. And uh, that, that was one of the points where we had to take a break and just kind of regroup and, and work through it. And, um, you know, it was it was it was tough. Were there any moments of hesitation about being fully transparent with her? I mean, this is your daughter. Uh, when I was writing my book, uh, there were a lot of thoughts that, yes, I was being honest, but how would this affect people? Uh, that I was being honest about. And a lot of times it was even cathartic for me because I had never talked myself through a lot of these scenarios, yet alone, I can't imagine having my daughter kind of go through the interview process and me talking myself through those emotions with her paying attention, understanding that this is her father who's going through a lot of life-changing events. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, one of the things that she's said to me is that, um, you know, she had no idea that I was going through all the nightmares and and the headaches and all that because I didn't share that with anybody. I didn't share that with her. I didn't share it with anybody. And I think, you know, she was learning some things about me. She was I was opening up to her about things that I hadn't opened up to pretty much anybody about. It was challenging. There were a lot of tough times where I thought, you know, should I really share this or not? But my feeling was once I decided to do this and to to kind of share my story like for me it was like okay let's just let's just put it out there because if i'm going to do it i'm not going to halfway tell it or tell part of the story or you know I, if i'm going to tell it i'm i'm going to tell it and um and again i think connecting with her and doing it with her was uh was was great i think that was the best case scenario for me because like i said it made me comfortable enough to talk about and open up about things that i had held in and hadn't talked to anyone about um, ever.
I'd like to give a big thank you to Larry Miller, Gabrielle Union, and Bobby Hundreds for joining me on the show to get real about work and more importantly, family. They make it look easy, but trust me, it's not. We're back next week with another episode of The Limits. Remember, stay positive and let's keep it moving. The Limits is produced by Devin Schwartz, Mano Sundaresen, Max Friedman, and Lena Sunskeri. Video production by Kaz Fantoni, Langston Sessoms, Christina Shaman, Iman Young, and Nick Michael. Our executive producers are Karen Kenny, Verilyn Williams, and Yolanda Sanguini. Our senior VP of programming and audience development is Anya Grumman. Music by Ramteen Arablui. Special thanks to Christina Hardy, Rudy Correa, and Charlotte Rigby. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Stearns & Foster. Every Stearns & Foster mattress is handcrafted for irresistible comfort with indulgent memory foam and ultra-conforming IntelliCoils for your most comfortable sleep. Learn more at StearnsAndFoster.com. Support for NPR and the following message come from State Farm. As a State Farm agent and agency owner, Lakeisha Gaines is passionate about empowering other small businesses. In the last several years, there are more business owners than we can count. Businesses are opening up quite frequently. And I think that shows the need, the dreams, and the desires of the community to have the independence and to have the financial freedom that's important to them. The reason why it's so important to me to be out there to share information and to educate the community is because I know that a dream doesn't always help you to be successful. You need the competency, you need the wisdom, you need the knowledge. That's where we come in as State Farm agents, our ability to be able to teach over 100 years of experience in this world to say, hey, we got you. You got this and we got this. Let's do it together. Talk to your local agent about small business insurance from State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.